You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Phantom Smooth Maker, and I'm welcoming you to the Needless Things Podcast. I'm just kidding, I'm not really going to talk like that the whole time, but I am going to keep it low because everybody is upstairs asleep. I am recording now because this needs to go up, uh, not tomorrow, but today, and I have a couple of stories that I want to share with you before I get to the Schwarzer panel. Uh, which was recorded live at DragonCon. This is part of Needless Things' ongoing DragonCon coverage, and you can hear all of the other Needless Things podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as at needlessthingssite.com, where you can also find posts five days a week about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. Just the kind of stuff you go to DragonCon for. So today's episode is a panel that was recorded live at DragonCon. It's about the science fiction movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I went in expecting to talk about uh, Terminator, Total Recall, The Running Man, uh, and a couple others. And over the course of the panel, the great audience kind of brought to our attention that there, there's a little bit more than that. It's a really good panel. We had some great audience interaction. Uh, my buddy John was in there and he added a lot to the conversation it was it was a really good time so i think you guys are going to enjoy it but before we get to that i want to say that we have chosen the winner of the underoos contest uh, you will be receiving your email this weekend uh, sorry it's taken me a little bit longer but there's just been a lot going on i've got i've had a lot to to take care of back at work just you know things things happen uh, but we will get your information and we will get you your underoos. And since underoos is technically no longer sponsoring, I can say things like fuck again. And I don't really need to, but uh, I can. So it'll happen. So I've got two stories for you. First story is a story about me being a dick, a nerd dick, an elitist nerd dick. Now, not to another nerd, because that's something I generally try really hard not to do. Uh, but to a guy who was, for all intents and purposes, just trying to be a nice guy and make some conversation, uh, here's what happened. All right. Not a lot of people that I work with are one of us. Uh, not con folk or genre folk or geek folk or, or whatever the case may be. They're more there than there used to be. Uh, as a matter of fact, a couple of them were even at Dragon Con and saw the, the puppet show that I took part in. But for the most part, it's older people who hunt and fish or do other things that, that I don't have an interest in. And there's a lot of small talk there. Oh, the weather, it's, it's hot outside today, huh? <laughs> that kind of thing. And I, I don't, 
this is a flaw with me. I don't have a tolerance for small talk. I'm not good at it. I don't do it. So my responses tend to be, yep, and move along. Uh, especially if it's in the bathroom. And this is something that happens. Don't talk in the bathroom. That's just gross. Um, but anyway, I, I was in the kitchen doing my thing. And one of the guys at work is like, hey, that Dragon Con thing was were you there this weekend? And I was like, no, I worked. It was two weekends ago. But yeah, I was there. It was great. Yeah, and, and he kind of tried to you know, he knew that was something I was into and he was just making the small talk, but it annoyed me because I knew he didn't know anything about it. And he didn't really, you know, he didn't really care. He didn't, he wasn't going to stand there and listen to me talk about hosting a game show and doing the puppet show and having the meetup with you guys and all that kind of stuff. Like he's just, he's just making the small talk. And then he's like, and, uh, isn't comic con coming up soon. And rather than saying, you know, uh, yeah, it's got to be around the corner because it doesn't matter. It's not like he's interested in going to Comic-Con. Instead, I say, um, no. He's like, that's here, right? And I was like, no, they don't have Comic-Cons here, which isn't entirely true. But I knew what he meant. He was talking about San Diego Comic-Con. And the thing is, we've had this same conversation like four or five times because, again, that's all he really knows about me is I go to Dragon Con. So, It's just like, dude, just stop. You know, smile, nod, whatever. And it's me being a dick. I should be nice about it. I should be like, well, no, actually, Comic-Con is... But I don't want to go into the spiel because the bottom line is I know he doesn't really care. And I know, chances are, he's not going to remember. And this is going to happen again and again and again. Just like the guy uh, at a store that I go to that every time I go in, he says, you look just like that guy in the commercial. You've seen that commercial, right? And it's like, I remember we've had this conversation 10 times, but every time I walk in, he starts it as though we've never had the conversation before. Um, it's that kind of thing. So, but, but I, I could have been nicer. I should have been nicer. The guy's just trying to be nice and, and companionable and, and make small talk at work and and I'm being an elitist jerk. So I don't feel good about that, and I'll try to do better. And, and you guys, you know, if, if somebody who you know isn't into your stuff is trying to be nice about your stuff just because they don't know anything, you know, don't talk down to them. Don't be a jerk. Just be nice. Try and be nice. I'm going to try to be nice. Here's my other story, which is slightly less interesting but maybe funnier. Uh, I'm having an adult beverage right now. My preferred adult beverage, uh, if I'm drinking it straight, of course, Fireball whiskey. Everybody loves Fireball. But if I'm drinking it mixed, if I'm just having one beverage and and splashing some stuff together, I really like uh, Captain Morgan's Black Spice Rum. I dig it. Mostly I like it with uh, diet root beer. And when I say diet uh, beverages, one, I'm making it very clear that I only drink diet beverages, but it's because I can't stand non-diet, sugary Sweetness, I don't like. Uh, I can't. It's overwhelming to me. Like Coca-Cola makes me want to throw up. I, I just can't take it. So my, my mixer is diet whatever. But but Captain Morgan Black Spice Rum with root beer is the bomb. I dig it. It's really, really good. But we don't have any root beer right now, so I'm pouring some, some Diet Coke with Splenda into it. Uh, trying to stay away from artificial sweeteners. Uh, I'm sure Splenda also gives you cancer or whatever, but that's what I'm doing now. That's my thing I'm telling myself is slightly better. So I'm pouring the rum into the shot glass to pour into my cup, and I just go glunk, 
and rum just goes all over the counter. Uh, because a few weeks ago, I took, or a few weeks ago, a week, two weeks ago, I don't know how long it takes me to go through one of the jugs of Captain Morgan. But anyway, I popped the little retainer, like uh, spout top thing, whatever it is that keeps the rum from going boop all over the counter. I popped that out because it was annoying me because the rum was not coming out fast enough. And tonight, I forgot that I had done that. So I just did the, the, the jug like I normally do, and it went whoop all over the counter and all over my hand, which I've got a massive hangnail. I have a terrible habit of picking at my hangnails, and I've got a big hangnail wound on my thumb, and it went right into that and stung like a motherfucker. So there's rum all over the counter. Not like literally a pool, but a lot of rum. A, a half a shot at least of rum is on the counter. And I sit there and I go, shit. Because one, I hate cleaning things up because it's just annoying because it's rum and it's going to be sticky and I have to clean it really well and two I just wasted half a shot of rum so what I decided to do and this is probably one of the low points of my adult beverage imbibing career is I put my cup on the edge of the counter I take my hand and I squeegee this rum and you know whatever was used to clean the counter recently which my wife does a lot she mrs troublemaker is a big cleaning person so she's constantly cleaning things so there's probably fresh comet or 409 or or whatever she uses to clean counters all over that counter so i just scoop all squeegee all of that into my cup as best i can it's really pathetic like and there's it's not like it was the last of the rum there's still plenty of rum left in there like six seven eight shots of rum are left in this jug uh so i'm squeegeeing the rum feeling totally pathetic but also i'm kind of cheap uh when you're a toy collector you have to be cheap in other areas so i get that and then i wipe it up and i clean up the rum and and now i've got my uh delicious ah, rum beverage fresh off the counter so if i die during this intro from 409 poisoning you know you guys will well you'll never hear about it because Nobody else is going to edit and produce this episode. So anyway, those are my two stories. I hope you got something out of them. Probably not. I feel like I need to relate something else from Dragon Con, because last time I told you about the magic of participating in Puppet Improv. I think I'm going to save the game show story for next time. So tonight, uh, I'll just thank you guys for coming out for the meetup, uh, those of you that were there. It was really fun. We hung out and we talked, and I wish I could have spent more time with each and every one of you. Uh, We celebrated my pal Sean's 40th birthday, and everybody sang happy birthday. I want to thank you guys for that because it was important to me to make that weekend special for this guy because it was kind of his first real experience at Dragon Con. Like, as far as being there the whole time and doing stuff and participating in stuff, like, I I wanted it... Me me and Bo have talked about this. Making Dragon Con magic for other people is one of the best feelings in the world, and that's what I wanted to do. And so we tried to do that, and you guys helped out, and I appreciate it. But it was just really cool. We got a great... We got a... Actually, we got a shitty picture, but it's a great picture because we're all in it. And it's... You know, all, all these folks came out to hang out for for needless things and i appreciated it i got rid of the last of those terrible shirts and i'm going to try and figure out a way to raise funds to pay for new shirts that don't uh that aren't unappealing to the average human being 
maybe just a Needless Things logo. I don't know. If you guys have ideas, you can join the Needless Things podcast group on Facebook, or if you're already part of it, uh, give me shirt ideas. I've got a couple, but I don't know if they're good because I thought Luchador versus Albear was good, and I was wrong. Uh, or send me an email at phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions for the show or for shirts or for fundraising or whatever. Just say hi. Just say what you think about the show. Uh, unless you don't like it. I don't need to hear that. I've got enough problems. Uh, but anyway, that, that was a great time. It was really special. Uh, in a in a special, special Dragon Con, the best year ever, that was definitely one of the highlights, was just hanging out with everybody there. And like I said, I wish I'd gotten to talk to you guys uh, more individually. I, I feel like I kind of jumped around a lot and didn't get to spend a lot of time with anybody. Although I did get to hear some cool stories from Jerry, and I met his wife. And, and they're really lovely people, and I like them a lot. And maybe we'll be up at Con Carolinas uh, next year. That would be very cool. Uh, oh, yeah, one more thing. All right, before we get to the show, one more thing I want to ask you guys. Look. As far as the game show, the Dirty Con game show, or the Dirty Dirty Con Con game game show show, depending on the brevity that I have in my heart at the moment, uh, we're having a meeting Sunday. We're going to talk about the future of the show. If you guys have suggestions for a convention that would want to host a Dirty Con game show, please let us know. Uh, we We want to do it everywhere we want to do it as many places as we can and i know there are only so many places that would want a or would want or could host a dirty con game show but we're we're up for it we want to do more we've got a good product we've got it ready to go we could do it you know really at the drop of a hat so if you guys have suggestions or, or connections with a convention or whatever please let me know and and go you know phantom troublemaker at gmail.com or hit me up on facebook l phantasmus with a ph uh, please get in touch with me. We want to do the game show lots of places, and I will tell you right now, it's great. Uh, I'm I'm not even going to be humble about it. It's a great, great thing that would be a great addition to your con. People love it. We turned away 150 people from the door. It, it was, and everybody there had the best time, including us. So we want to do it more. We want to do it more places. Uh, let me know. So now. Uh, I'm forgoing music for the time being. I, I think I'll pick it back up again in October. But for right now, we're just going to go straight into the Schwarza panel. Enjoy. Well, I believe the alarm clock just went... Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ladies and gentlemen, DragonCon 2015! Hey. 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 We need energy. First day, after all. <laughs> we got a long way to go. All right. It's a marathon. That is My name is Gary Mitchell. Yes, really. This is the wonderful. I'm Joe Crow. Yeah. Woo! We are your hosts for this uh, fiasco in this room. Yep. All weekend long. This is year four. A year four, yes. We almost got it under control now. Almost. We kind of know where we just doing. started too. So. Uh... Um, if anyone here, anyone here using a smartphone, any, yes? Who's using the app? If you're using the app when this panel is all over with, if you would please rate the panel, those ratings actually go to the Dragon Con Overlords. Joe and I get feedback on what everything you had to say, what the ratings were. So if you like the panel, five stars. If you didn't like the panel, Joe? Uh, the door is there. <laughs> and five stars. Exactly. And five stars. 
Well, if not, it's Brit track, so. Yes. Yes. Yes, we're on the Brit track, if you didn't like it. Yep. <laughs> and I believe we're here to talk about... We are here, though, this is the Schwartz panel, and we're talking about the sci-fi films of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Several yeah. have them have anniversaries this year. I believe this is true. Total Recall. Total Recall. Mm-hmm. And I believe some of the Conans. True Lies, maybe? Yeah, Conan. That was 92. Okay, never mind. But anyway. Yeah. But, uh, but we're going yeah, to talk about them regardless. Talk about them regardless. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna cover all of the movies of the muscles from Brussels. No, wait a minute. That was Van Damme. That was Van Damme. <laughs> so, uh, Austria. Yes. Austria. Start on the end with... Uh, you are, sir. Introduce yourselves. I am not the clone. <laughs> I am uh, Baron Plexico. Yes, I am the author of such fine literature as this that you see before you. Uh, I also host the White Rocket podcast for the This Guy's Network. My name is Jessica Phillips. I run GoodToBeGeek.com and do all kinds of podcasting goodness, but I am an action film fan. Including Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. My name is Mike Faber. I am the host of the Earth Station One podcast, and I also own the ESO network, which a lot of these people are part of. And we are talk about all things geek and such. If anyone's interested, postcards, of course, are here at the front. And we just love Schwarzenegger. We've actually talked about Arnold quite a bit on the show. And we are still searching for Sarah Connor. <laughs> I'm William Stout. I worked with Arnold on five uh, motion picture projects. Two good ones, two bad ones, and one that never got made. And, uh, and he was my governor. <laughs> <laughs> the governor. I'm Phantom Troublemaker. I run... Fan. Uh, I appreciate that. I uh, run NeedlessThingsSite.com uh, and also the Needless Things podcast, which is part of the ESO network, run by Director Faber. And I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, 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 he practically raised me, which probably explains a lot. And I promise this is water. So I'm going to moderate from back here because we ran out of room. <laughs> So I'm going to go down the panel, starting in reverse order. What was your first Schwarzenegger movie you saw? Uh, at an age far too young to be seeing it, uh, Conan the Barbarian. I, it was in rotation uh, back when HBO came to you uh, courtesy of a brown wood-paneled cable box with push-button switches. And uh, I think the statute of limitations is up on this now, but if you put a toothpick behind the button, it would hold it down just enough to get channels that you were not supposed to get. And that's how I saw Conan the Barbarian and uh, changed my life. This is probably harder for you. Uh, The first film I saw of Arnold's was Pumping Iron, the documentary, oh, yes. and then the first one I worked with him on was Conan the Barbarian. Wow. For me, like everybody else so far, it has been Conan was the first one, and actually I'm old enough to have actually seen it in the theater. I'm going to say it was probably Conan, but the first one I have memory of seeing is probably Predator. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, I know I saw Conan the Barbarian. I know I did not see it in the theater. Um, I must have seen it on television at some point after. 
I've seen it a million times since then because I always maintain that Conan the Barbarian is one of a handful of that kind of movie that you can watch over and over and over and never get tired of it. Yeah, but the ones in the theater, probably either Predator or Total Recall was the first one. Or maybe first Terminator. They all kind of jumbled together back then. Yeah, they, Terminator came out pretty much the same, uh, I think it was after Conan, but there were two that pretty much came out in the same year. I know Predator was one of them, that, and I think the other one was... Uh, Running Man Running. and Total Recall it came out the same year. Yeah. Because yeah. he so, did like two major science fiction films which, which right is, back to back. Which is funny because they are, like, as much as I tend to lump those together, just because the Schwarzenegger sci-fi is a very specific thing. It's almost like its own genre. And, like, watching Running Man and Total Recall, there's such a difference in the filmmaking style and the production style. Like, they're really super different movies and I was shocked because I rewatched everything before this panel for first time ever did some research um, really? but uh, but they're just shockingly different and when I looked and saw they were the same year it blew my mind I, I would not I would have guessed them to be several years apart all right so coming back down the other way your favorite oh yeah, that now. Now we're picking children. <laughs> um, That's just uh, not fair. Well, see, I think of the Conan as, as fantasy or sword and sorcery more than science fiction. So, of the really science fictiony ones, oh, see, so you're hedging your bet now. I am. <laughs> I, of the really science fiction ones, it's a it's a close call between Predator and and Total Recall. I, Total Recall is so fun because you can try to figure out the puzzle of it, but Predator is just you know balls to wall fun. It's just action. Mm. And, but Conan is just such a great watchable movie, you know. So I, you know, if I had to choose just one, probably Conan. Favorite? Uh, <laughs> I don't. Predator is not my favorite, but I do enjoy it so much uh, for exactly that reason. It's just to all like fire and fun. Uh, but I'm actually going to go Running Man. Yeah. I really enjoy Running Man because it is so. Just lovely and campy in moments, yeah. and it has all of those. Anytime you can throw a pen out there, it's there. <laughs> Dude, yes. So yes, I'm going Running Man. It's interesting because Running Man is almost like reality TV nowadays. And I loved Running Man. Richard Dawson was awesome. Uh, yeah. And the whole reason that movie works is him and Arnold. Yeah. The whole reason I'm running a game show at Dragon Con is because of Richard Dawson and Total Recall. Yeah. He was awesome. Um, but I'm going to have to go probably with Total Recall because yep. for me it was the most sci- for me it's the most science fiction type thing because at the time it was supposed to be our future and it almost was attainable at the time If and knowing that it was filmed mostly in the Los Angeles subway system and such you know um, and I loved the cameos the campiness of it and everything and the re- the re- remake of it didn't even come close, mm-hmm. no, with what the original they missed was. The tone. Oh, big time! They missed everything. everything. They missed everything with it. <laughs> so yeah, I'd probably say Total Recall. One of the great things about Total Recall is that screenplay by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shutset. Mm-hmm. I I got to work. Dan also wrote Alien, and I got to work with Dan on Return of the Living Dead. But my favorite Conan film is. Uh, Again, it's because of the screenplay. John Millie's the screenplay for Conan the Barbarian. Sure. Uh, I got to go with Total Recall. Uh, it changed science fiction for me uh, at the age when I saw it. It's so 
uh, it's so different from anything else that happened at the time because I think it was the first movie I had seen that really had that significant mind adult word quality to it <laughs> and nothing uh, nothing hit me quite like that one did and it really gave me a big interest in storytelling uh, with just how unique it was and it was the first Paul Verhoeven movie that I saw which that also opened up a whole new world that unfortunately at one point led to showgirls but <laughs> we'll forgive him for that that's science fiction in a different way hey, right yeah and Total Recall fans should also mention Philip K. Dick sure yeah. of course yes yes I'm, I'm taking a chair uh-huh. <laughs> has, has there ever has there ever been an author who's had more of his really serious psychedelic sci-fi turned into action movies that bear a little resemblance but yet are still really cool. Yeah. It's amazing how that's been done. Well, even look with like um, something like Running Man, which was mm-hmm. based off a of Stephen King book. You yeah. know, a short story. And Although he wasn't out yet as no. Bachman. I think no, it, it, the, titles, the movie still titles him as Richard Bachman. Yeah, oh no, he purposely did that. He was already Stephen oh, King. Oh, he was? Oh, oh yeah. okay. Stephen King had been doing Stephen King books since like 1980 right. or so. No, I'm saying he hadn't come out that he was Bachman. No. Yeah. But later it came out that it was a Stephen King book. And it was interesting because if you ever read the story, no resemblance at all. Yeah. And no. Because it's basically Definitely. a race across America type thing. Which makes it shocking that there has not been a remake of that yet with somebody saying, oh, we're going to adapt it. And the original one. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that again, I don't think they would recapture the magic from it. Uh, it depends. It depends on what you're going in for. Because like you were saying with Philip K. Dick, that man... This, just the seed of his ideas was enough to spawn incredible things. Like, even if you're not directly adapting what he did, if you're just taking the core of what he was going for, there's so many different directions you can go, which both Total Recall movies are proof of that. Because I, I didn't dislike... It wasn't really a remake. I didn't dislike the re-adaptation. That's a good way to put it, actually. But it was... Go ahead. I, was, I liked the hand phone. That was cool. In the, in the, in the section. <laughs> But you know the scene where Arnold had the to take the uh, tracker out of his oh, nose. No. Oh. <laughs> his look on his face. <laughs> you know, he was going for the full emotional range in that scene. <laughs> well, and, like, oh, it'll be fine. It's just a quick little removal. You yeah. Know, you feel a thing. Like what? And to address that, I mean, let's talk about Arnold himself. Yeah. And and his acting and what he brings to roles. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he has a charisma that nobody else in Hollywood has ever had or probably will ever have. He, he's got a, a charisma that overcame so many things that should have said, this guy will never be a movie star. Right. <laughs> I mean, just the, the, the accent, the name. Right. I mean, just... I mean, if, how many people know the story? He actually wrote to Ann Landers about whether or not he should change his name. Huh. Oh, wow. And, yeah, he, and she, her response was, you have a very long, unusual name. When people learn it, they will remember it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so he made that call, and that was the way to go. Um, That's how most people voted for him for California. Oh, I'll go for the longest name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, personally, I think my favorite is Predator because of his movies, I think... For me, it's the strongest action movie, sci-fi movie in the bunch. Um, and what sells Predator for me is that you buy that this is a team, that these people care about each other, they've worked together, and they've done this crap before. <laughs> and that, you know, there's all the little bits between, like, Blaine and Mac 
and the, the the whole scene where Max just sitting there after Blaine's died and is drinking and talking about we were going to do this and that. You know, for me, that that movie really has the most fleshed out well, characters. The, I mean, the the opening what. 10, 15 minutes in the movie is incredible shorthand storytelling. Yeah. They get us like, look, there's a monster in the jungle. We know you guys want to see it. So <laughs> these guys are pals. Let's go find it. Like, it's, it's really amazing. That movie also is a very good microcosm of showing what works about Schwarzenegger, like you were just saying, in Hollywood, why he's able to stand out that way. Because the question that I was going to ask at some point, but I can roll into this, is, how, you know, what is it about this guy that would make a great, that, that obviously made a great Conan the Barbarian, but how does that turn into a sci-fi thinking intellectual right. movie hero? And I think it's because even in, a, even in a closed room, basically, which is where they were in Predator, I mean, it's open, but it's still basically a box, you know, even in that setting with um, Carl Weathers and Jesse the Body Ventura, he's got these incredibly bigger than life cartoon character co-stars, and he still dominates the yeah. room, you know. He, he, he had that charisma, that size, that presence that could make him a superhero without being a superhero, but could also make him really interesting as just the run, you know the the running man or total recall guy which could have been Tom Cruise you know yeah, in yeah. those movies it's fascinating yeah, he's really good at putting something behind his eyes where you can tell that, that he's not just some meathead yeah, yeah. you know he's really good at bringing across is the charisma the raw charisma which is just that the talent and then the the fact that you get that this guy isn't stupid no, I never, with Arnold, ever thought he played a stupid type of no. dumb muscle That's head, the other thing. head off. Even when, you know, he had, you know, the, in the Terminator movie, where all his line was, are you Sarah Connor, basically, you know, he, you still felt that it wasn't just somebody like Dolph Lundgren or something, you know, where you had just somebody who was, hey, come on now. You're not invited to Lundgren panel next year. Darn. I'm working with both guys. <laughs> what, what was it What was it on set? Did he come across that way? And well, uh, How did he get into character that you saw? I was, I was working on the film as a designer with Ron Cobb. And we got notified that uh, Arnold was going to be coming in that day because he had been practicing his sword routine and he wanted to show it to John Millie, our director. So about, oh gosh, about 11 a.m., this guy walks in. It was Arnold. He was just wearing a pair of red trunks. My first thought was, oh my God, that's the most beautiful human being I've ever seen in my life. He looked like an Adonis. It was unbelievable. And I also thought, oh, and he lies about his height, too. <laughs> So uh, we went outside. John Millius took us all outside to watch Arnold go through his routine. And he's, he'd been practicing with his sword. He looked really good and stuff. But Arnold's really perceptive. And he caught something in John's eye. He said, John, what is the matter? Was there something wrong? And John, no, no, no. No, nothing. No, no, I can tell. I can see something's bothering you. What, what is it? What is it, John? And John said, uh, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. He goes, it's the body, right? I have a bodybuilder's body. You would like, like more of a, like an athlete body, right? And John said, yeah, that'd be great. But, you know, he says, so if I trim this here and I trim this here and I trim my legs here and I trim... And John goes, you can do that? Two weeks later, Arnold had completely resculpted his entire body through diet and exercise to meet John's requirements. And I thought at that point, man, when this guy's got a goal, nothing stops him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
He puts himself completely into the roles, which yeah. makes it awesome. Well, and that's why, I mean, if you've seen interviews with him and stuff, you know he's a businessman. He came here with a plan. He knew what he was doing, and he never took those dumb meathead roles, oh, and there's there's a reason for it. Yeah. He was very, very brilliant in his choice of roles, because if you look at his history in the 80s, he goes, you know, from our, you know, from Hercules in New York just to get his foot. <coughs> okay, maybe one dumb meathead. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there he goes Conan, Terminator. I mean, you just go down the list. And then Twins. And Twins. Yeah. Which was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Total change. And quite frankly, science fiction. So, junior. you know, we can talk twins. <laughs> and then there was Junior. junior. Let's, let's not talk about Junior. Yeah. Not the two. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him in Kindergarten Cop. Oh, that was good. Yeah, yes. Kindergarten Cop. That, that was part of the reason I moved out to the West Coast to Astoria for a little bit was because that's where he taught and then yeah, everything. Right. And I fell in love with the, the scenery and everything. And when I had the opportunity, it's like, thanks, Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think he's teaching your kids. No. <laughs> Well, he is just only in film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But on Conan the Destroyer, he used to say, "Beer, I love this country. It's so easy to make money here." <laughs> <laughs> uh, does anybody have any questions about some of their favorites that we haven't touched on yet, or anything? Rest <coughs> on you. Overglaze that maybe because it pull, he supposed to have been Conan. I worked on it. Change it because. Of Red Sonia was originally a Conan film, and the script was so bad that Arnold said, if you call this character Conan, I won't be in the movie. Uh, this, is, this is disrespectful to that Conan character. Uh, so that's why they changed his name. To Red Sonia? Yeah, right. Yeah, what about, we talk about Conan, I'm just curious. Um, I, I look back, we just did a White Rocket show on this just a couple of months ago, where Tim Yelton and I were talking about comparing Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer. And what kept coming up was that Conan the Destroyer, that movie had its heart in the right place. It could have been awesome. The, the cast was good. With a different good. script. Yeah. The, the, the cast was good. The, uh, the idea to get Roy Thomas to do it seems, in theory, like a great idea because he knew, he knew the character so well and written it for years, right? So what went wrong? Why was it not up to the standards of Milius's work? Uh, there's only one John Milius. Uh, that that script for Kona too was so awful, so just just dreadful, dreadful. Well, how did it end up being so bad? Considering that bad the, writers. Thomas is a great writer. He just. Oh. But how did he produce a? How did he produce such a such a bad script then? And it it yeah. seemed like a good idea at the time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the, the director didn't care. Okay. Richard Fleischer. It was like uh, he's like a sausage maker. This is another slink of sausage, and then on to the next one. He had no personal involvement. He didn't care about the character. He didn't care about the story. He just wanted to get the film made and then move on to the next one. And if they don't care, that's it. Yes. You had your hand up. Just to comment on that one, that our first Conan was rated R. Louder. That next one, yeah. you know, in Hollywood, you don't write like you write a novel. In Hollywood, you write with the committee, yep. judging everything you do. So when they're saying you got to make this a PG movie, mm -hmm. your script's going to suffer from what your intent was. They did that hoping to sell Conan toys. <clears throat> because originally uh, Mattel had licensed Conan, and then they saw the film, they go, we can't put toys out for an R-rated movie. And so they created Masters of the Universe. Nowadays, we get a Conan toy. So the, the second Conan film, they decided they'd make it was a PG. Mm -hmm. And... 
and you know Conan's not a PG character. It's the the Robert E. Howard novels are a pornography of violence, <laughs> and and that and also they were originally written as horror stories. So if you don't have horrific elements and that extreme violence, you're not really dealing with Conan. Well, plus the Robert E. Howard stories, Conan is a very smart, savvy character. He's not a dumb barbarian, and and that's one thing that Schwarzenegger I think could bring to the role. Like we've been saying, is that he both gave the sense on the surface of being this big, dumb barbarian, but because it was Arnold Schwarzenegger, he could also convey that there's more going on there under the surface, which touches more on Howard's Conan than certainly anything else has been done with Conan. Yeah, because Conan eventually becomes a king. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not by accident. Mm -hmm. Now, what's, for me, what's interesting, and, and again, this goes to Arnold's choice of choosing of roles, is he only really did one villain role, but he's still the star of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Thoughts? With yes and no. Terminator. Oh, oh well, in the first Terminator, but he had in his contracts ever since after that was <laughs> that he would not play a villain anymore until that wonderful Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, we totally have to discuss that. That's absolutely science fiction. Let me let me ask you guys because when I the first time I saw Terminator, uh I was already familiar with Arnold, so he obviously, in my head, already was an overwhelmingly large portion of that movie. Did, did anybody see Terminator without preconceptions of Arnold? So how he he was still the main character of the movie. He was still the main focal mm -hmm. point. When he's not on screen, all you're thinking about is where is he? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it was. It's interesting because it was also the same way with Terminator Two. Yeah. Exactly, where he didn't play the villain anymore. Mm -hmm. He was the good ro android, right. or robot, and he basically cyborg. 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 Mm -hmm. And so, but it was interesting because every scene when he got into it, it was like Arnold's there. This is awesome, and the story that Cameron did with that one was so rich. You forgot about the other Terminator for a while and everything because mm -hmm. you were focusing on the thing with. Uh, Sarah and the kid and Arnold in that. There's not many other actors that could be both a charismatic leading man and also be a terrifying monstrous villain both. I mean, think about if Stallone had tried to do that. He would not be convincing as the as the Terminator, yeah. would he? Or any other... Any yeah, other? You, you fully buy that there is a robot of death yes. underneath Arnold's face <laughs> when you watch that movie. He's closer to the alien almost than he is to a human being, you know, in a way. He's a scary force, yeah. and yet he turns around as the charismatic hero in the sequel. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and you had a point you were going to make I was going to say, and they, they carried it through to the most recent Terminator, too, uh, and sort of allowed that to develop even further. So it really is a totally different Terminator than we see at the beginning. But you see those glimpses if you watch the original Terminator and then go back to the most recent film, like you can sort of see. How many people parallels. actually did see the new Terminator film? Wow, that's everyone who went to go see it at the theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, just, the strength of, of Arnold's charisma is that a throwaway line in The Terminator, mm -hmm. where he goes to the police station, asks to see her, and they say, come back later, and he just looks, and you can tell he's looking at something, and that's Arnold's charisma. You, know, you can tell he's doing something, and he just leans forward and does the, 
I'll, I'll be, be back. back. And it's just a throwaway line, but that became his catchphrase. <laughs> and I loved when they did that in Last Action Hero when he says that. And he's like, no, you didn't think I was going to say that. <laughs> and the kid was like, you say that in all your films. Well, it's funny that they worked it into uh, The Running Man yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, I, I was, and, and honestly, I don't know that I caught that until the last couple of years that it was that like oh it's a, it's his ca- I mean obviously we all know that's his catchphrase but like the fact that it was used there very intentionally I was like oh that's almost kind of corny but I love the only in reruns but it's yeah. but it's awesome because it became such a catchphrase it became pop culture with it. oh sure and even like Peter David used it in the Hulk in one issue and the Hulk said you know when he was the Great Hulk he said to Rick I'll be back and he says oh great he's the term now. <laughs> so it's pretty darn awesome. It's interesting though, because with Arnold's different roles he played, like I was remembering, like there, he did End of Days, mm-hmm. and then he did what was it, the Sixth Day, yeah. and everything. The Sixth Day was kind of cool because he, met, he played two, he played himself twice, yeah, and everything. I always watch uh, Sixth Day and Total Recall together. Yeah, they almost fit. Yeah, it's almost fit like it's, it's like they're just similar enough. Mm-hmm. But, which is always going on. Okay. Well, uh, on that point about like the sixth day and the end of days, can we talk about like that era of Arnold and that transition? Because it's kind of like the charisma was still there, but all of a sudden we just kind of lost that touch with him at that point. And I'm just wondering like what that was because I mean, as we talked about, he was able to take lesser scripts. I mean, something like Conan and Destroyer, he was still great in that, yeah. and it's kind of like. What happened like in those later years where that disconnect started to happen with the audience? I feel like those movies um, do not have the charm. I feel like they're grim, they're dark, they're not as fun. They're just they weren't fun. When I when I go to see Arnold Schwarzenegger, like I want to see a big tough dude and I want to get some yucks. And those weren't scripted for that Arnold. And I'm not saying that they're bad movies, but they're not what I want from an Arnie movie. He's not an action movie. There's too many other things that overwhelm him for some reason there. Like, even in End of Days, I mean, it's this epic story, and he he almost sort of creates... It almost sort of feels like he's a side character. Mm -hmm. But that's not who Schwarzenegger is. That's a good good call. We want him to be... The primary focus, but even Six Day, there's so many other things going on, whether it's the story, the other characters, whether or not he's a clone. But somehow they lose that; they get wrapped up in creating all of these other things and the science of it, and making it look so pretty that you lose Schwarzenegger. Was and the attitude of action movies had changed mm-hmm. because in the '80s it was all about the big superhero, the big yeah. guy who can do anything, yeah. the big strong, invincible, you know, I'm in commando and I can throw a rotary saw blade <laughs> like a ninja star and it's going to go halfway into a guy's head. I believe he could, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas at this point, by that point, you know, Die Hard had come out and changed the shift to the everyman. Oh, the guy who, you know, who forgets his shoes and gets his feet cut up. Mm-hmm. You know, Arnold would have just walked across it like, yeah, and yeah. glass, what? <laughs> and the thing is, like with Arnold, though, he can't play the every de- right. every man. No, he is a superhero. He's bigger than life. And that's the was problem. True Lies the last one he did before oh, it started? Yeah. yeah. Started. And again, a Cameron film. Yeah. You know, the original Total Recall character that Arnold played was a milk toast. 
Yeah. And it got rewritten as soon as Arnold signed on. Right. <laughs> and you had a point. Like one of the films before, you know, that plateau era of, of Arnold was True Lies. He was able to play like the family man, the secret agent, and this man before he was, you know, a family man. And then it kind of like picked back up when he was in the, the Last Stand. I wasn't able to see Maggie. I don't know if anyone has seen. Maggie is supposed to be amazing. It's, yeah, it's it, the trailer alone sold me. No, yeah, and it's good. Arnold is supposed Maggie. to be fantastic. Maggie, yeah, and I, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't? Bored me. Really? Yeah. And everything. We had a question right here in front row. We'll you kind of already answered it. I was about to ask if anyone here has seen Maggie because you'd mentioned that you know it's not fun. It's not. It's too grim, and that's why it's they grim. kind of failed. Yeah. Maggie's very grim, and it's not yeah. a fun movie. No. But I personally felt it was it was excellent. It's one of his best performances. That's what I felt too. Yeah. I felt like this showed Schwarzenegger as an actor and such, mm. instead of like the action hero. It still had that type of stuff in it, but it was very dark. Yeah, it was a very dark type thing. But it's a zombie movie, so yep. it's supposed to be. Well, and, and that's why I don't watch it. And zombies. you had your hand. Well, I actually well, saw the daughter. Can you talk louder? She saw the last dance. She saw the last dance. I thought it was pretty good. Saturation. They've been showing too much of the films. They've been, you know, talking, you know, he's making the rounds and everything on all the different things. He's been showing up on WWE. But, you know, he's almost been oversaturated of Arnold. Well, and I don't I think that's part of the problem. I don't even know well, that that's it. Because, <laughs> I mean, really, I, I, can you ever have enough Arnold? I think he needs a little bit of career rehab. Uh, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the magic project is to make everybody truly love him like we used to, but I think now it's just a matter of, like, I, I Predator, so good. That era, the 80s, the 90s, so good. And now you see Arnold, and, you know, we still love him, but he's not as magical. It's like seeing a band that maybe has kind of lost a step a little bit. Like, it's almost a little bit of a yeah. bummer from... To see if his stuff, if it's not great right now. For me, it probably would be get him back with James Cameron would be the first step to try to get his career back on the line again. I think we need well, to change Mr. our Scott, attitudes. I think, was trying to sit, make a point. No, I, in addition to being a great action hero, no one promotes his films more than Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. He is astounding. When, when he was at uh, Comic-Con to promote uh, Last Action Hero, they the place was packed. He wasn't on stage yet. They had a big gigantic uh, sheet and he drove a Hummer through that onto the stage. And when he left he said, I'll be back, fine boys. 
Okay. You had a question or I comment? I think the last uh, Terminator movie was a more of a direct sequel to Terminator 2 than yes. the other ones have been. Very much so. Um, I really like that movie. Why did it get such bad reception? <laughs> Two words. Jai Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, no fans of you did not enjoy the movie. That's a whole panel. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I, I, it's uh, the, the, it would devolve into an argument amongst the whole room. I mean, I, I, I think it's I think you that's one where you kind of have to get to a point where they like agree to disagree on that. I think I, I, I and and anybody who enjoyed it, that's awesome. I'm thrilled that you did. I thought it was just a rotten. I turd. think one of the worst things they ever they did with that movie though was revealing that John Connor was the hybrid or whatever he was. That would have been a great reveal in the movie. They should have kept it as a surprise. And I think way too much away. They did give too much away with it. I think that was part of the problem. Well, that and it really felt like they weren't really sure what the whole how this happened. It felt to me like they were writing for the sequel. And whenever you write for the sequel, you're doomed. You need to be able to sell a complete, solid story, and then we come back for more. You can't plant seeds. Mm -hmm. no, and no. obviously plant seeds of, oh, we'll explain it next time. No, explain it now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Go ahead. Right, well, who, who watched Terminator Salvation? I'm surprised so many did. <laughs> Again, everybody. Wow. In the I feel like if it hadn't oh, yeah, okay. But I think that sort of feeds into the next one. It's sort of like we've seen Terminator Salvation. It didn't really live up to our expectations of the franchise. So then I think you sort of lose some of that magic going into this latest one. I feel like if Terminator Salvation had just been called Science fiction salvation and not had anything to do with Terminator. It would have been a it's a it's a cool movie. Yes. Okay. So would you like to hear the original ending to the Predator? Sure. Yes. So I had read the script because they hired me to design the creature and I had a meeting with uh, John McTiernan, the director, and I said, John, you've got something amazing here. You're going to get two entirely different audiences with this screenplay. He goes, what are you talking about? Well, you're obviously, it's an action film. You're going to get the action crowd. But with that great ending, you're going to get an entirely different crowd appreciating this film. He says, what? What are you, what are you saying? I said, the ending. It's, it's amazing. Arnold kills the predator, and he's looking at the carcass, and he's looking at it. And he gets closer and closer, and he reaches down, and he opens it up, and inside is this frail little alien. And I said, what a great metaphor for man who, when he hunts, has to gird himself up with all this technology and stuff to, to kill beasts. And that's what Arnold did. And, and, and that's what the Predator was doing. It was, mm -hmm. it was a, all a facade. It was a shell. Sure. And McTiernan thought about it. They opened the script and reread it and then tore those pages out. Right? Oh. And, I, and I said, John, what are you doing? He says, well, that would mean Arnold beat up a wimp. <laughs> wow. I kind of like that, though. I love that. Yeah. The guy in the red shirt? Yeah, I had a couple of questions for Mr. Stout on the uh, Conan films. Sure. Um, did John Phillips ever seriously consider any other actors for the role of Conan? No. Okay. And then the second part? <laughs> uh, although the part of Tulsa Doom was written for Sean Connery. Wow. Oh, wow. And then when, when Sean passed on it, John called uh, James Earl Jones and he says, you know, I've written this role just for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, Sean Connery likes to say that he always turns down the ones that ends up regretting later. So of course. Because he was, he was going to be Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. Quick second part. Did, sure. Uh, why, why the change of director with John and the Destroyer? Was, did John Elise ever entertain the notion of directing it? Uh, well, John wanted to do, I mean, later, he wanted to do King Conan, where uh, take advantage of Arnold's current age and have him uh, be the King Conan of the Howard stories with the, the younger warriors sort of nipping at his heels. And he had written a full script for that. The Wachowski brothers were going to produce it. John was going to write and direct it. And they couldn't get the financing. And, and Arnold had agreed to do it, too. Yeah. I, I, let's go to Kickstarter. <laughs> Isn't there a, a new Conan film that he's working on? Uh, yeah. he, Arnold's always talking about the new Conan film. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. Back row. Uh, well, actually, yeah, I'll oh, okay. topic, are there any stories on any uh, roles Arnold didn't get or any other movie that didn't get paid? I can't think of a movie he wanted that he didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This gentleman right here. Yep. President. So the question about why the 80s, 90s Arnold movies were magical or more magical than they are now. I, Never minding Arnold's own talent, I think a lot of it is in the dialogue. I mean, we talked about I'll Be Back, but he's probably the most quotable uh, action star out there. You can go not just here in Dragon Con, but out in the general public and say it's not a tumor, mm-hmm. get to the chopper, any number. None of his new movies have happened. Yeah. I haven't walked out of any recent movie of his and just thought, I'm going to say that to someone, and they're going to exactly <laughs> we, yeah, we pretty much have him and James Bond to thank for the one-liner in action movies. Well, stick around. Do you think, though, that that has more to do with the state of pop culture now, and the difference back then, you get, you know, you get something like Predator once every few years that's magical mm-hmm. now we're just constantly bombarded with hollywood trying and granted a lot of its quality stuff i love it yeah. but hollywood constantly trying to bombard us with blockbuster after blockbuster after so to the point where like there may be things that are every bit as good as arnold's one-liners but they're just buried in, in everything else they well, don't have significance exactly, anymore but if you also think about it from a political standpoint at the time those were the Reagan years that we were going through. And it was, you know, the whole build up our military and everything. Arnold was perfect for that era. Absolutely. Fit the era. Exactly. But you noticed that it was uh, Jesse Ventura that got the famous line in Predator, not Arnold. I mean, Arnold got, if it bleeds, we can kill it. But, but oh, Jesse the got the, yeah, I don't have time to bleed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One of the great and, and horses followed up with it, you got time to duck. Every, every word out of Jesse Ventura's mouth in that movie How was gold. How many governors are in the cast? <laughs> to the point that guy was making into what you guys were saying I, I think it's more cultural change we've lost the mystery as as the world seems to get smaller and smaller those movies have kind of lost their mystery we don't yeah. get them like that anymore we yeah. er, it's not that it's overplayed or we're drowning Arnold Schwarzenegger. The stuff that he does now is just not memorable. We, the, the magic that he had is just kind of going away because the movies don't, not the one-liners. It's not because we're missing the Predator. Like me and my friend were watching Predator just last night. Right after Predator, they played Predator Two. <laughs> he doesn't like it, and I like it. And, I love it. And why love not? It. Well, Arnold's not in it. It's not. There's just certain things missing from his movies today that he had in the past. 
and the cast aren't very good. The supporting <laughs> cast are kind of bad. So they're just forgettable. It's just blase. Now, I haven't seen Maggie. I, I have heard that's pretty good. How do you guys feel on Predators? Such a different movie. I like that. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. So how do you think Arnold's loss of his youth has affected his box office and charisma and also the, the maid scandal? Oh. Yeah. Well, there are a couple things to that, though, and I don't, I'm not going to try and get on some kind of diatribe. A guy like him transcends that kind of stuff when he goes to the theater. We kind of forget that. Yeah. Like uh, Sean mm-hmm. Penn and his bad political sayings got him in some trouble. People kind of forgot that when his movies came out, to some extent. Yeah. But for a guy like Arnold, that... Arnold is larger than life personified. He is. He is. Yeah, That's why he became governor of California. Well, and the maid scandal didn't turn into a spiral so often. And that actually goes back to your point of the world being smaller is part of the loss of magic is we know everything about everybody now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Through social media, these 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 Hollywood the actors are no longer larger than life. They're they're just people and we see them on Twitter and Facebook and whatever else all the time now. So nobody can be as magical as Arnold was back in the day. Not especially not for the time. Yeah. And when we were That's a perfect way to say it actually. Transition of the seventies into the eighties when we started to get like a real personification of a hero. Instead of just some cartoons. Well, in the 80s film, 80s action films are such a backlash to the 70s dark, act, depressing, yeah. smaller films. But, but then are we also always expecting that he's always going to make the action film? I'm actually really excited to see him do things like Maggie in more yeah. character roles because I want to see him as the actor. Because he's actually a really good time. actor, uh, yeah. in my opinion. I think that's to the point. It's it's oversaturation of what is oversimplified and what we all personify as Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's not fair to him. Because the guy can't act. I mean, yeah. and he's funny. He was funny in Twins. Yeah. But if you keep giving me the same five out of ten movie over and over and over again, you, you, you're starting to lose yourself. Yeah. It's tough right. to give a 65-year-old action movie. Gentleman in the hat. Yeah. Yeah. Does I, show. I think Arnold's going through the same transition that John Wayne did at his early years. You know, yeah, that's a good comparison. Larger in life. He is our John Wayne. Larger in life. And to me, my favorite John Wayne movie is his last one. Oh, yeah. Shoot. I mean, Shoot. he's all a junta side. Mm-hmm. He's still tough. He's still the gunslinger. But he's age. He realized he done a lot of bad things, and he's humble. I think Schwarzenegger, we didn't need that, that type of world. He needs to do a to, big to change. To break him back, yeah. how the fans have said. Because he's not 30 years old, 40 years old anymore. No right. He is almost 70. He's got to do the age appropriate. Yeah, we yeah. can't do the kid movies anymore. Which I actually I think I was, do appreciate that about the latest Terminator movie. John Wayne's character aged with him. Yeah, it's, 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 it was great. Yeah, yeah it's, I think that was part of the, what amazing. they were trying to do with the Last Stand because he was the older cop, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you have a question. I was uh, the fine lady in the green shirt. Yeah, I was gonna kind of make a comment, uh, you know, kind of relating to you know Arnold's appearance in the Expendables franchise. I thought oh, that was, was so perfect funny. <laughs> because you, you're looking at everybody in that movie, and they're all these actual stars from the '80s, and yeah, you know, the old young guys that got older. <laughs> and, and I thought that was really, it was really cool to have him have his moment in that movie because it, it reminded us, yes, we remember you, we love you. When are you coming back to the theater? Mm-hmm. And also, we understand that you're older now, so this is kind of a weird transitioning moment for you. Um, so I think, you know, like with a lot of, uh, you know, male actors, um, they get a lot more leeway when, when they get older. Um, we forgive them for the fact that they're older, as opposed to we shove them behind a door if they're female. Um, so, so I think I think Arnold's age and the fact that he, his, he is 
you know, getting these aging roles. Like he has in the last stand, you know, he's kind of an honest cop with nothing left to lose. Mm-hmm. Like he's starting to get those older action roles. And I think that I think as he goes forward, we might see some more of that from him. I hope so. so I hope yeah. so because you know he can't play a kid role, you know, anymore. He can't yeah. play somebody in his thirties or something. He has to be. It'd be great for him to do an action film. Yeah. Yes, I know the technology's there, but it looks so damn weird. <laughs> when they try making him look like take all the wrinkles and stuff away. And you, that was actually one of the things I actually did like out of the last Terminator movie was they played that into it with you know he was having a little bit of a twitchy hand. They were actually trying to bring that yeah, into right. it, and I thought that was nice. It was one of the few things I liked. I think he needs a Grand Torino. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember much about the Expendables movies, but I do remember Arnold ripping the door off the smart car and yeah. driving around. All that That's how I know he's still magical. <laughs> no, it's Arnold's is a fun character actor when he gets the right roles mm-hmm. and that's what we're hoping for with him, you know. Because he's really good at picking scripts. If oh, you look at his orbit from the 80s and 90s, the man did not pick a bad, yeah. you know. See, for me, it's awesome because I have a 15-year-old son, and he's right at the age now that I'm really introducing him to a lot of the Schwarzenegger films. We've already done The Terminators. We've already done uh, Running Man and total recall inside so now we're getting into like the conans and such and he's loving every second of it which is really cool did you show him Commando? Of yeah. course I have. He's a big, he's a daddy. Uh, sorry, I grew last. <laughs> <laughs> I let him go. Well, the best, my best line was uh, when we were watching Total Recall, when um, Michael Ironside uh, p- punches Arnold when he's in the chair and everything, and Arnold gives him the look, and my son was like, Dad, he just gave him the Schwarzenegger stare. <laughs> it was awesome. And he was like, that guy is so dead. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Arnold when he was on Johnny Carson promoting Conan? Mm-hmm. And he talked about, you know, punching the camel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Arnold said, and by the way, Johnny, did you know that, that you can get syphilis from the bite of a camel? <laughs> and Johnny Carson thought of it and said, hmm, well, if the wife will buy it. <laughs> That's Carson. Do you have a question or comment? Well, a little bit of both, I guess. Uh, accepting that Arnold is not replaceable, I find that a lot of the movies that today that he would do are done by like uh, um, Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, that's the part that he would have played today. So is it the fact that we've got someone like The Rock coming along that we don't, we kind of just want to forget Arnold and just focus on what we like. As much as I love The Rock, he's no Schwarzenegger. No. Yeah. Yeah. But then you also have to find it's a whole other market, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jason, it's the current everybody knows. Jason Momoa got the Conan part last time, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't... I did. Yes. I think a part of it got handed off uh, with the rundown with the yeah, camera they, there. Well, they did yeah. a literal handoff. Yeah, he's just like, have fun. That was great. Mm-hmm. That was a very, very cute moment. Let me um, ask uh, Mr. Stout, is the, sure. do you know of anything in uh, the Conan movies where Arnold had like direct influence on changing things, like changing the script? Or changing- he changed the title to the second film. Did he? Yep. The original title was Conan, King of Thieves. Huh. And really? Arnold was embroiled in a, in a mini scandal at the time that 
it was alleged he had stolen something, and so he. He got the title changed to Conan the Destroyer. Then there was the third, which was Conan messes with the babes. Conan and the maid. I don't know. Any other questions, real quick? All right. Uh, aside from Franco Colombo, uh, did Arnold get any of his other bodybuilding buddies to join him in any movies? Oh, they're they're all, in all the Conan films. Okay. Yeah. The, that whole battle scene at the end; those are all his buddies. <laughs> the guy that looks like he's from ABBA. Got <laughs> <laughs> the hammer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those guys. To go back yeah. They 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 looked odd in that. You know, you can you just looked at him and said, "Those guys are interesting looking. They don't look like just standard barbarian flunkies. There has to be a story here." And that was it, right? They were they were his. Yeah. He he loved to travel with the, that group of guys. And when we were making the second Conan film, uh, they were relaxing by the pool in, in Mexico. And one thing Arnold loves to do, he loves to instigate situations and then step back and watch it escalate and, and unfold on its own. And so on that day, Arnold went around to all his guys and said, you know, this really sucks. This is our day off. Did you know they've got a camera crew and news reporters coming to interview us on our day off? Can you believe that? So he got everybody stirred up and then he sat back. <laughs> and... The more the other guys talked about it, the angrier they got. The more was, and finally, so here comes the, the film crew. And uh, the anchor person is the daughter of the governor of that state of Mexico. Oh. And one of the guys thinks it'd be really funny to moon her. <laughs> well, the, one of the other guys, well, I can top that. And he gave her a full frontal shot on live television in Mexico. <laughs> We were kicked out of the country. <laughs> Rafaela de Laurentiis had to make a public apology oh my on, on Mexican television oh. so that we could continue filming. Oh. And nobody associated it with Arnold. <laughs> all right. You had a question with the fun hat? Yeah, you know, you were saying his buddies all in the movie from the Pump Island days, but one place we never see in any of the movies is uh, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. You know, it's like... Is that just something he was too busy, or he got really fun of Lou? Or? Lou was one of Arnold's toys. Ah. It, 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 he, he loved to mess with Lou's mind. Uh, one of the things that Arnold loved to do before a bodybuilding championship, he'd go up to a guy like Lou Ferrino or, or one of the other guys, and that guy would have like a, an asset that they considered their finest thing, like their back. They're really proud of their back. And Arnold would come along, hey, you're looking good, but you better work on the back. <laughs> and they just, they just shattered. They just crumbled. And he, he did that to Lou a lot. <laughs> if you watch Pumping Iron, it's almost nothing but 90 minutes of Arnold Schwarzenegger playing mind games with Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't your year, but next year, maybe. Lou <laughs> was in my high school graduating class. when he was like 40, like 25 years ago. And they did an interview with Arnie saying, yeah, he's good, but, you know, he don't stay focused. You know, I mean, even then, he was busting loot chops. Well, we probably got, we got about a minute. Yeah, we got about a minute. Anything, any last thoughts from the panel? Anything you want to, we just, how would you sum up Arnold in one word? He'll be back. <laughs> that's three words. I know. Uh, you have failed. That's, 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 the, best, that's the best way to say Arnold. You know? Focused. Focused. Focused.
Just charisma. charisma. I mean, that, that to me, even, even though he's so big, he's so powerful, uh, but just charisma is, is his magic element, I think. Character. He's a character. Constitutional amendment. <laughs> oh, they're pushing hard for it. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's superhuman. He really is. He's just... People are here, and he's up there. All right, what's the end? You are... Phantom Troublemaker, NeedlessThingsSite.com, and the Needless Things Podcast. William Stout, production designer for Motion Pictures. Mike Faber, ESO Network, and the ESO Podcast, www.esopodcast.com. Have you done that a few times? <laughs> Once or twice. Uh, Jessica Phillips, get to be a geek.com. Van Allen Plexico, uh, whiterocketbooks.com, and the White Rocket Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Some of them have cards and doodads and books. And yeah, come by my table at America's Mart. Yes, buy stuff from this man. He's incredibly talented. That was a great panel, and I'm glad uh, you can read about it in my recap, which will be up Monday, I believe. Yeah, uh, this Monday, September the 24th. First, I'll have the Friday portion of my Dragon Con recap up on NeedlessThingsSite.com, where you can also listen to the podcast. And I talk about the Schwartzer panel and what happened with it. I got really shit-faced Thursday night at Dragon Con, because it's the first night at Dragon Con, and I'm cutting loose. And I almost didn't go to the Schwartzer panel, and I'm glad I did, because not only did it start off... Uh, Dragon Con right officially started right but I remembered how much I enjoyed just being on panels as opposed to it being one that I'm running because this wasn't my panel this was just something the classic track guys put together and that I was on this will be available on the ESO podcast probably the White Rocket podcast from Van Allen Plexico who has the coolest name ever um, but I just had a great time it was really fun just talking with other people about a thing and I want to do at least one or two more of those next year than I did this year which granted will dominate more of my time but you know if I can get them in on Saturday or whatever and besides next year should be big big trouble in Little China and I have to be on that I will be on that whether I'm scheduled to be on that or not uh that's all I got for you guys Please remember, the Needless Things podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher. Rate it. Rate the thing. Apparently, that's something I'm supposed to tell you. Rate rate us and share us. Share it everywhere. We need it. I would share you because I love you guys. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you for listening. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.